atonement that means so much. We, we read it twice. So I'm going to read it again, just in case you didn't catch it. Thou shalt not have fun, nor shalt thou smile all oh, thy days. Amazing verse. What's going on? I'm just laughing and I'm getting a look over here like, you better get away with that stuff. <laughs> Why is that? Because you guys are good. You guys are good. You realize right off the bat that that is not really a verse. That's why I didn't give you the, uh, where it was from the Bible because that's not in the Bible. That is not scripture. But what we're doing today is we're going to reveal, we're going to discuss this distorted view that we, we maybe we've, we've encountered, we've, we've been a part of it, or we've just experienced it, but the distorted view that we have of God. And it sounds silly, that verse I just read, because it is silly. Yet so many of us I struggle with this very thing. I want to believe in God. But, man, this God just sounds so silly. It's just so boring. It sounds so fake. It sounds, and, and, and maybe that's because it's what we've grown up believing, that this God exists. He's an angry God looking down from heaven, waving his finger, and just throwing his Bibles at everybody and saying, follow this verse, follow this verse. And so we experience this maybe amongst Christians, or in church, and it led us to have this conclusion that Christianity, Christianity is all about leaving behind what is fun, leaving behind what's good, leaving behind all the things that, that bring life to us, and it's just changing us some rules, more rules, more rules. And so we begin to hear things said like, man, you can, you can do your God thing, but that's just not for me. I want to have fun. Right? How many of you have said that? How many of you have heard that said? I mean, you can do your Christianity stuff. And I'm glad you can go to church. Man, that's cool. That's cool that you, that, you know, you, you, you live to that standard. And, you know, you, 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 you love God and, you know, you try to do right. cool. But that's just not for me because, man, I don't want to leave behind all this, you know, this, this stuff that I enjoy. And, God, if I become a Christian, that means I have to be just like you Christians. And I have to be just like, you know... Uh, uh, this religious freak, and so we have this mentality, and that's what we're discussing and being said throughout the series, a bunch of barriers, uh, uh, reasons why we, we say, man, I want to believe, but I just can't. Last week, we discussed with this God, I want to believe, but God just doesn't do what I need him to do. Right? We call this God on the man God. Right? This God, man, God, why, why can't you just do what I asked you to do? Like, I need this. This is important to me. But yet, God doesn't answer, and so we have this idea, this mentality, I want to believe in God, but he's just not doing what I need him to do. He's not fulfilling my needs. So we have this idea, we discussed it, this false God, on-demand God that Danny said does not exist, and we know does not exist. And so this week we're going to look at another barrier, and we're calling this God, Killjoy God. This is the view that God just has too many rules. That this God primarily exists to, to keep us in bondage and to, to make, have expectations that are just way too hard to, to, to suck all the joy out of life. Right? We have this God just wants to suck all this joy out of life. You know, I remember this movie. I like it a lot. And just the very fact that I'm going to talk about a movie, you know, when we discuss religion, it doesn't sit well with religious folks. But, you know, this is a movie called Waterboy. I mean, you guys see this whole movie. Adam Sandler, you guys love it, right? Cool movie, most Adam and Sam movies I I laugh at they're fun, they're good, not all of it, but for the most part they're good. And this Waterboy movie, um, you know, he's a football player, wants to play football, he discovers he's actually a Waterboy, and then he discovers, you know, that he that he can play some football. And he wants to, but he hides it from his mother because his mother's this religious, like, you know, very highly religious person. 
And so when she finds out that he's studying, he's going to school, or as she says in the movie, school, you know, school, and, and he's playing foosball, she gets upset at him. And what she tells him, foosball's of the devil. The devil. <laughs> foosball? Foosball's of the devil. What are you doing? You're going you're gonna to go to hell. What are you doing? So we have watched movies like this and we laugh, but you know, so many of us have this mentality that God is just like that. And Christianity means that, like, for me growing up, I experienced that. Because I grew up with you guys know it because I mentioned it plenty of times already. All right, kind of, you know, overdone already. I played baseball growing up and I loved it. But when I first became a Christian, that was one of the things I believed. And it was actually told to me at times. That kind of put away my, my passion, my desire, my love for sports. And there's some wisdom in some of it. We're not going to go into that state, but the idea that I was told that, man, if you're going to follow Christ, you need to leave behind even playing baseball and sports. That is, it's just not good for you right now. It's not good. Put it away. Spend more time in, in God's Word. And this, some of it's wisdom. But what I took as a 17-year-old kid was, man, if I'm going to be a Christian, and if I'm going to be seriously a follower of Christ, then baseball, my friends, those are the things that, man, I'm just going to have to give up because God doesn't, you know, do baseball. God's not a baseball fan. God's not a sports fan. Alright, so we have this idea that God is just just the joy out of us. And so we have this idea of Christians that are like, you know, these guys who wear t-shirts, right, that say, you know, corny stuff like Star Wars, they enforce people, but his words with stuff like that, or they all have a bumper sticker that says, come if you love Jesus. Every word out of their mouth is, how are you doing? Oh, bless how you do that in my car. What do you mean? I'm blessed and highly favored, you know? And, and, and if you hear these things, and be we begin to believe, you know, that you know, they don't they never hang out at the club. You know, the Christians are just boring. It's just boring. So what people end up saying again is stuff like, man, I want to have, I, I, you can have your God, but I want to have my throne. Because God just has too many rules, and, and, and I don't want to follow these rules. I don't want to grow up like Mama from Waterboy. I don't want to be associated with that. All right? And this starts off very young. Like, my kids... Don't like rules, right? As kids, we don't like rules. And you guys know, I lived right down the block from where my parents lived. Okay, we, we got married, we moved out, we ended up back in the same block. Actually, where I met Joanna was in the block that we're at now. It's a pretty cool story with that. And so my kids are blessed that they live right down the block from where I grew up. And so every Friday, what Joanna and I start doing now is we allow our kids every Friday to go down the block and spend time with their grandparents. And they love it. They love it. I mean, Joy and I love it. Alright, you love it. But the reason they love it is you get to talk and say, hey, how, why do you like going around my grandpa's house so much every Friday? And they'll tell you things like, you know, man, we get to do whatever we want, basically. Now, it's not entirely true. Alright, grandma and grandpa, they do some rules, but you'll hear them say things like, man, grandpa, he lets me have candy before dinner. Right, he'll sleep the chocolate bar. You know, he'll tell me, go to that. I'm right down, you know? Or, you know, grandma, you know, she lets me drink soda from time. You hear bracelets, especially things like, man, pop lets me use the, the tablet and get on YouTube Kids for hours. What are they basically saying? I love the freedom I have when I'm at grandma and grandpa's house. I just love it. Dad, mom, you have killjoy parents. Why don't you allow us to do this type of stuff? Right? So they love it. So from a very early age, I mean, we love freedom from rules. We don't like to, this idea of being held down. And sadly, though, this, is, this, this hinders so many of us from really believing in God because we have this distorted view that God is a killjoy God and he's out there to rob you of your joy. And why did this happen? It's a really big deal, this message, for each and every one of us today. We're going to be tackling some issues 
that I believe cripple us from truly understanding who God is and the gospel message. For some of you today, today's message will be life-changing. For all of us, it's going to be just refreshing to know that God is good and that the true gospel is who God truly is. We're going to expose religion and, 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 and present the beauty that is found in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be clear what we're talking about when we say religion. But when I say religion, what I'm talking about is this man-made rules, man-made systems that we put in place on top of Scripture, on side of God's Word, so that we can somehow please God. Like we have to say right at it that God is here, that God is holy, and we're here. We don't wait to God. There's, there's something we need to get to God, and God is just higher than us. Right? So what religion seeks to do is kind of bridge that gap. It says, do this, do that, don't do this, and then you're going to please God. So when I say religion, when I say I want to expose uh, religion, what I'm talking about, what I'm saying is that I want to expose the evil that is found in systems and, and that are put into place by men and rules that are seeking to divide people basically into two groups. What religion does, it tries to divide you into, here are the good folks, so this side of the room, all the good people, right? And then this side of the room, all the not so good people. That's what religion attempts to do, is divide us into good and not good. Those who follow the rules and those who don't. But that is not Christianity. That is not Christianity. So for those of you taking notes, um, okay, so the bad news of religion, right there on the screen, those of you taking notes, religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. What is religion doing? It is focusing on the external rather than the internal. See, religion puts this emphasis on what you do on the outside, how you act, what you do, what you don't do, and has very little concern for what's really in your heart, what's really portrayed on the outside and what matters. That's what religion says. Religion says, hey, if, if, if you lie, guess what? God hates lies. It's in the Bible. You're a sinner, okay? Uh, if, you, if you go order out food on, on a Sunday, on the Wednesday, <coughs> you're, you're a sinner. You shouldn't do that because you're, you're supporting working on Sunday. If you uh, wear that type of lipstick, you, you shouldn't do that because, you know, you're portraying this image on the outside that you want people to have and associate with you, so don't do that. Um, if you wear, if you get a stick too on your arm, you shouldn't do that because, you know, again, you're portraying this, this false image. If you uh, like to play baseball or sports, you know, you shouldn't do that. bunch of rules that are put on top of uh, God's word and attempts to strangle us and attempts to keep us down. What religion says, you should, you should probably pray more, you should spend that time in prayer, you should spend that time uh, uh, working up, you know, eloquent prayer so that people can be impressed and God can be impressed with you, you know, if you really want to show God that you love him, that you are um, really concerned about getting to know him, you should only read from the English Standard Version of the Bible. I agree with that one, but that's what religion does. Joke Alright, little joke. But that's how the Pharisees talk. You see, the Pharisees who were there, they were the religious leaders, the ultimate religious group during when Jesus walked this earth. They would, they would do just that. What the Pharisees did, they, they did, they took the laws of God, right, and in an attempt to help clarify what they were saying, hey, you know, there's God's laws, but we want to help people to get to know it better, and so we're going to create these rules, really, what they said was a commentary to, to help you understand how you follow God's laws, how you follow God's commandments. But what they were really doing was, was putting people in bondage and creating these rules and laws that, that, that they were saying was equal to Scripture. So, for example, to help you guys understand, one of the commandments that God um, 
God says to keep the Sabbath holy, right? Keep the Sabbath day and uh, keep it holy. Right? You should, you should work for six days and rest on the seventh day. So the Pharisees would look at that law and they say, hey, how do you do that though? How do you, how do you keep the Sabbath day holy? How do you remember the Sabbath day? So they created rules on top of Scripture that would, would basically say, hey, this is what you have to do. Not what Scripture, though, guys, said you should do, but what you have to do. What they're saying you should do. Okay? And so, for example, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So they would say something like, you know, this, and they would wrote literally hundreds and hundreds of rules for each commandment. So I'm just going to give you two quick examples of this commandment. Remember the Sabbath day keep it holy. And they would create rules like this. They would say, you are on, a, on the Sabbath day, you shouldn't walk on the fields. Why shouldn't you walk on the field? Because if your sandal clips a, a grain of wheat, now you're, you're technically harvesting. And so if you're harvesting on the Sabbath day, technically, now you're sinning because you're working on the Sabbath day. How dare you? So don't walk on the field on the Lord's day. Because he said, remember the Sabbath. And so they, they would put that rule on top of people. Now, that's not God's word, but this for an example. Or another example of this one, of this one made me laugh. Like, you can spit on the ground any day of the week. Don't spit on, on the Sabbath Why? Because back in the day, you spit, you know, most of the ground is dirt. You spit on the Sabbath day, what happens when you spit it in the ground? Form a little piece of mud there, right? And that gets muddy. Now, technically, you're creating like one and creating cement. So if you're doing that, you're, you're working out. I see your faces and you're laughing and you're shaking your head. But that's what religion does. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And you guys should get, what did Jesus do about this? Right? It's craziness. But you would have thought that the Pharisees would have loved Jesus, right? Because who better than Jesus to follow, you know, to live a perfect and obedient life, right? Only Jesus can do that. So you would think that they would love Jesus. But we know that they hated Jesus. They killed Jesus. And Jesus, in return, did not think well with them. Jesus was a threat to their system, right? The system that they created to manipulate and abuse the Jewish people. Jesus challenged them because Jesus hated this religious mindset that the Pharisees had that they were abusing people who were genuinely trying to live a faithful life. Again, remembering what religion we're talking about, man-made rules. And so Jesus was clear of his thoughts for the Pharisees and their religion. We know that because we see in Matthew uh, 25. It's on the screen, Matthew 23, verses 25 to 26, and I believe it's in your notes. And it says, it says, woe to you. Stop there. Woe to you. Now this word woe, it expresses this extreme regret. This, this word, it's a word of judgment. It usually signifies doom. So when Jesus is saying to them, woe to you, he's basically saying, man, you know, the wrath of God has come upon you. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you. Man, I, I bought this cup and it was a gift to me. And I love this cup, a little mug. And on the outside, it says, man of God. And right? it has a verse on it. And it looks really nice. Right? It's protected really well. Right. And I can walk around with this, and I can walk around proudly because if you can see, I'm a man of God. A man of God. Alright. What does this do in my walk with Christ? Religion would absolutely nothing. Thank you for shaking your head. That's right. But religion would say, man, carry this around, wear it proudly. And you know what? I do, but present yourself looking beautiful as this cup. But if I open this cup and it is disgusting, 
it smells, and I didn't clean it, and it does actually smell. Um, it, it, it's worthless. It does not matter how religion says you should look on the outside, how clean and polished religion makes you look on the outside. What matters is what's in the inside of this cup. Because if the inside is dirty, and if I didn't clean it, and I drink my coffee from this cup, it would do me well. It's stunk. And what Jesus is saying, man, if your cup is dirty on the inside, you know what? You stink to God. It's a stench. This religion mindset, religiosity stinks to God. It's a stench to the nose of God. He does not like it. He does not want anything to do with it. Your religion stinks. Strong words. Woe to you. You clean the outside of the cup, the inside full of grief. And self-indulgence. Point again, it doesn't matter if the cup is the first on the outside, but on the inside, it's dirty, it's not going to do me any good. Your religion will not do you any good. Religion is not the answer. You see, the problem with the Pharisees, again, the problem with religion is that they believe that God is only concerned with what's on the outside. But Jesus knew that God looks at the heart. Jesus looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And we'll see in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says what? It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look in the appearance, do not look in his appearance or on the height of his action, because I have rejected him. For what? The Lord not, sees not as man sees, but man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? In the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. Again, the Pharisees understood that God is holy. God has said, part we must but their, but their, their, their problem is that they believe we can do what we need, we need to do, we got to live, we need to do works and don't do certain things to bridge that gap. They taught that religion is what we can do, our good deeds and our obedience. So what they would do again, they would pray their own prayers, and what the religious people were famous to do was going around and pointing out everyone else's mistakes. Pointing out everyone else's mistakes is probably you have that idea of religion or you experience that you've been hurt by a church of people who were had this religious mindset would look at you and say, Man, you've got to get your act together and would would, would would blow that up in front of everybody, how how dirty you were, how sinful you were, and how holy they were. And you've been held down by this what seems to be overwhelming and giving you this idea that God is just God got be the one he he doesn't exist because if he would, he wouldn't be this cruel. Or two, if he did exist. God must be really angry with me because there's no way I can follow these rules. I can't seem to do anything. So I'm going to walk away from God. I'm going to walk away from him feeling ashamed that I know that this God wants nothing to do with me. And that just angers me. Because if that's your thought of God, please hear me. Know that that is not the God of the Bible. He is not a killjoy God that wants to put a burden on us and leave us with this burden to lift on our own. In fact, you know in Matthew 11, verses 20 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy carry burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest in your soul. The Pharisees were doing the opposite of this. Jesus was so passionate in Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, verses 3 and 4, he says, about the Pharisees, he says, do not follow the example of the Pharisees. Do not follow the example of the Pharisees. For what? They don't practice what they teach, but instead they crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift their finger to ease the burden. See, Jesus is saying, don't follow them. They don't care about the burdens. They are just, they're weighing you down with God. 
come to me and I will lift you. Religion points us to killjoy God, and this killjoy God simply does not exist. The God of the Bible is not a God who, like the Pharisees, gives rules and laws, and he, and he just wants us to follow them, and he knows how we're going to struggle to survive. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is not reflected in the additional rules and burdens that religion has created. The laws God established are not to confine us, but to free us to have the life that he wants us to have. I want to move away from the stench, the ugliness of religion, and move to the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ. So for the remaining of our time, I'm really going to focus in on Romans 23, just uh, two verses, Romans 23, verses 20 to 22. In Romans 23, verses 20 to 22, and I'm going to read it all quickly here. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the words of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Romans 3, verses 20 to 22. The news of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to break this down, all right? The first point I want to break down is you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. Point one, you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. Get this, no matter what you do, no matter what religion says you need to do, you cannot, will not ever on your own earns God's acceptance. It is never enough. What we do, it doesn't matter how much you preach on a Sunday. It doesn't matter how perfect your church attendance is. It doesn't matter if you work in the, for the nursery in Sunday school. God bless them. It doesn't matter. Your good works will never be enough to earn God's acceptance. It will never be enough to earn God's acceptance. It doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do. The bad you avoid or the good that you do, none of it will matter for your acceptance in God's eyes. Nothing we do can earn God's acceptance. No matter what religion tells you to do, no matter what religion tells you not to do, it won't work in earning God's acceptance. Verse 20 is clear in saying that no one will be declared righteous in God's, in God's sight by the works of the law. No one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. This is why we have to be passionate in talking about religion and how what religion does it. It causes people to walk around with this false hope that they are good because maybe they tied this week. Or maybe they've done this. So they walk around like, man, I got this and I can live my life because religion says that, you know, I just got to do a bunch of things and now I'm accepting God's eye. In God's eyes. And, and, and if you don't do it, man, it makes you walk around with this idea that I'm just never, ever good enough. So we have to be passionate as work church to say this is not the gospel. That religion is just weighing us down. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that you can't do anything to earn God's acceptance. You cannot do anything to earn God's acceptance. God's law was not given to us for that reason. He did not give us the law to put us into a bondage as religion does. But what, what it says in verse 20 again, let's look at it further down. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. So, so if God is holy and we can't do anything, nothing that we do will ever earn his acceptance. And where's the good news? Why does the law even exist? It tells you right there it exists so that through the law, you become conscious of your sin. Point number two. 
The purpose of the law is to show your need of a Savior. It reveals to you and I that you need a Savior. That's why the law is absolutely necessary. Not the extra rules with religion. Not the extra stuff that the Pharisees try to put on me. Put on, on me. Not the extra uh, uh, do's and don'ts. Okay? You don't need more rules. What you need is Jesus Christ. You don't need more rules. You don't need to follow and to earn God's acceptance. But what you need is Jesus Christ. You need a Savior. And the law reveals that to you. That you, you need a Savior. And that means you're a sinner. That's where some of us may be trip up as well. It's, I'm a sinner. What do you mean I'm a sinner? How dare you call me a sinner? And this was my personal testimony. Coming up, I didn't think I was a sinner. I could not be that bad as you know, the person next to me. But there's my first mistake. What we do is we compare ourselves to other sinners. But we establish, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. We're not to compare. Maybe I ain't better than my neighbor. So, so who cares? When you start to look at God, and you realize how holy God is, and how sinful you are, you realize that you need a sinner. You need a sinner. You need a sinner. You need, you need a Savior. Right? Verse 23, if you go on in Romans, it says, For all that sin and fall short of the glory of God. There you go. We've all sinned. None of you, none of us can stand here and say that you have not sinned. The Bible says, If you say that, you are a liar. Now, this is a little test that uh, you've probably heard and done in the church or whatever, and I'm not going to actually raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. How many of you have ever told a lie? Uh, you're not raising your hand, but if you want to, it ain't going to. Every single hand here should be raised if, again, I can tell you too. But we all have lied at some point, right? Man, I tried lying to you earlier today. What a bad example, right? When I read that verse. All right? Like, well, technically, it wasn't a lie. No, you're right. Justify my lie. All right? I didn't say it was from the Bible, but. Right, we all lie. How many of you have ever stolen anything? Okay? Mm -hmm. White hands are looking back. Mm -hmm. Right? We've stolen things, right? Lastly, how many of you have ever lusted? And now let me step it up a little further. Jesus says, right, if you even look at them when we're lusting your eyes, guess what you've done? You've committed adultery. So Jesus is saying, not even just like, you know, the act, but if you thought of it, you are committed adultery. So Jesus is getting standards a lot higher than I. So by that, how many of us have been in church how long? We're liars, we're thieves, we're adulterers. We're sinners. We're sinners. We won't know that apart from the law. The law is there to show us that we need a savior. Religion hides that. Religion hides that. Because what does religion say? Religion says you don't need a savior. You're the savior. And you're a horrible savior. You're a horrible savior. Because religion says you're a savior, the Bible, the gospel says no. You are a sinner and you need a savior. So the good news, point number three. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. Family, this is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That religion says you got to do this. The gospel says no. There is nothing you can do to earn God's acceptance, but it's all been done by Jesus Christ. It's not about your own strength. It's not about how good or how bad you are. We are made right with Jesus Christ through faith in Him. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Christ alone. It is that simple. 
religion has just made things way too difficult. What does it say in our text? This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to who? To all who believe. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This is wonderful news. We've been set free from religion. We've been set free from rules. We've been set free because of who? Because of Jesus Christ. Our need is not for religion. What does our need for? Our need is for Jesus Christ. Our need is for Jesus Christ. This is a pretty good book. I, I recommend it. I have a pick anybody wants to borrow. Jesus is greater than religion. Uh, why he is so much better than trying harder, doing more, and being good enough. And this book is written by um, this, the author Jefferson. I'm not going to try to laugh. I can never know. <laughs> Alright, there you go. So yeah, and he became popular really with this YouTube uh, spoken word um, two years ago or so. And like in 48 hours he had something like 7 million followers or something, 7 million views on this, uh, this, this, this poem that he wrote. And it was a hit with so many people. Why? Because the struggle core that so many of us struggle with, so many the difficulties that we have, the struggle that religion has on us. So I want us to listen to this, uh, this little What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat, but it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. 
but the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. The gospel has set you free, and it tells you that you are worth it. It tells you that you are loved, period. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said you are loved, period. You are loved even while you are a sinner. I love you, and you are, you are mine. He says this, he says, you don't need to do anything to be loved. I have done it all. It is finished. It is finished. What religion has complicated with laws, Jesus simplified with when the Pharisees, when the religious people came to him and said, man, Jesus, you tell us what's the greatest of all commandments. And there were so many commandments. Jesus said what? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with soul and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus simplifies with love. I want every eyes closed here. I want to pray over us. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Because we need to be reminded that Jesus has set us free. That we are no longer chained by the evilness, the ugliness of religion, but have been set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for you, brothers and sisters, and maybe been coming to church for some time, and you know God, you know this to be true in your life, but you have forgotten Maybe you lost sight of it and you began to, to think that you have to do more and you've been weighed down by guilt of what you haven't done. Maybe you haven't prayed in some time. Maybe you haven't come to church in some time and, and you've just been feeling guilty because you think that God no longer loves you because you haven't done enough. But he's saying it is finished. And he's saying I love you and none of it ever even mattered. I saved you already and if I save you, I'm never going to lose you. There is nothing that you could do, nothing you should not do. I, I am yours. I love you. I'm your father. You are mine. And so some of us today, believers, we, we probably need to be reminded of that today. That when we obey God, we do it not because we feel we have to, because maybe he'll accept us more. And we obey because of the love of Jesus Christ. And there's a joy in it. Father, 
Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, God, who are maybe feeling weighed down, God, by the religious rules, God, by expectations that we probably can put on us, we can put on ourselves, God. Remind us today that the gospel sets us free, that we have been set free, that we can rest, that we can rest in knowing that Jesus has died for us and that it is enough and it is finished. That we are free to love you and to do your work and to obey you out of understanding that you love us, period. That you love us and you accept us, not of our own doing, but through Jesus Christ. As it says in 2 Corinthians, we remind us that you made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, restore us, Lord. If we've forgotten that, Lord, forgive us and help us, God. Encourage us today. And for those of you sitting here today, perhaps you don't know, you, you, you've been weighed down, and, and today you say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I'm done with religion. I want you, Lord. Man, I pray for you today. I pray that you would understand that nothing you can't do will ever earn it, but that Jesus has already been done on the cross, and that he loves you. Father, I want to trust you. With my life, God, I want to give all to you. Help me, Father. Help me to truly believe that it is finished. And I thank you. I thank you for your love for us, your unconditional love. That is not us that you look at in your son. You just put our faith in Jesus Christ. I praise you and I thank you. Amen.